everyone. Welcome to Cornwall Insights latest podcast. Today we're discussing the effects of rising costs of capital and for renewables projects in the UK over the past 12 to 18 months. Um, if you haven't had the chance to check it out yet, today's discussion is based on the findings of our paper. And hold on, because this is a long title. Whack-a-mole implications of the rising cost of capital for the fifth round of the contracts for different scheme. Um, so if you want to learn more about this topic, be sure to give it a read if you haven't already. Um, and just to introduce myself, my name is Jamie Moll. I'm a research analyst at Cornwall Insight, uh, and I'm joined today by my colleague and senior modelling consultant, Tom Edwards. Hello, my name is Tom Edwards. I'm a senior modeller in Cornwall Insight and I help produce the GB Benchmark Power Curve and other GB modeling products. So that's a lot of uh, detailed and in-depth uh, looking at power stations, the power system in GB, uh, transmission network charges, losses, capacity markets, CFD auctions, all sorts of really interesting GB focused stuff. Cheers, Tom. So I guess let's get into the thick of it then. And um, I suppose I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here because I'm sure you've all heard this before. But of course, over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, we've experienced widespread macroeconomic volatility across the UK and really Europe more broadly, largely as a result of historically unprecedented energy prices that have led to high inflation and interest rates. And not to mention this has also been compounded by post-COVID supply chain issues and tight labour markets. So amid this challenging environment, we also have legally binding net zero targets to meet here in the UK. And realistically, we don't have a lot of time to meet them. So I, I guess the question really is, in this difficult macroeconomic environment, what has been the impact on the renewable sector in the UK? Obviously, the, the first kind of major thing is, is the power price. Um, for renewable projects, you've got the, if you if you already built then as the price goes up, that's great. Uh, you've got more revenue coming in for the for the same, all things being equal, uh, level of uh, wholesale power prices. But uh, that also means re um, renewed political interest in the sector. Uh, so there's there's uh, discussions around REMA, the review of electricity market arrangements, concerns about um, profiteering or over uh, windfall profits. So that's led to the electricity generator levy. Um, but in terms of kind of financing projects, so for projects that are going to be built, the key kind of variables here are what's happening with supply chain. So as we're coming out of the pandemic, as global energy costs rise, it becomes more expensive to um, to build things. Uh, there's also pressures on supply chains from uh, increased competition from other as parts of the world that want to build things. So, for example, the, the US's Inflation Reduction Act might mean that, um, uh, you know, factories can only produce so many wind turbines and solar panels, best to go to the place and sell them uh, to in, in the market where the, the, the returns are the best, there's best support. But the, the other major factor is that with, with rising energy prices driving inflation upwards and as central banks seek to combat that rising inflation, the um, the cost of capital for financing these projects uh, is going up. So the cost of capital represents the cost of financing, how much it costs to raise the money to build the power station. There's a lot of money that has to go into the power station up front in order to build it. Uh, so that's your capital cost, the overnight capital cost, how much to pay for the, the foundations, the people to come in and pour the concrete, the steel for the for either the mountings or the or the turbine tower, the actual turbine and all of its complicated generator parts, buying all of that 
upfront, lots and lots of money. Uh, you need to raise that capital. Most developers don't have that already sitting around. So you've got to go to raise that money somehow. And then that's, where can you raise that? Are, are you going uh, and getting it from equity investors who have uh, cash sitting around and want to get good returns for their money? Or are you going to uh, debt, which is a bit cheaper? Um, and, you know, getting loans from banks who are raising cash, or however, um, however they're going about doing that, uh, which is cheaper. But typically, uh, debt lenders want much more security over their um, investment. And so they'll be seeking the best possible projects that have got the best guaranteed returns. So it's a competition, therefore, for um, to prove the stability in the business case of your model, because you want to get in as much debt as possible, um, because the cost of capital can have a really significant effect on the overall cost of the project. So, um, for example, when I was doing some sums earlier this morning, we were looking at some offshore wind farms and getting a uh, an 8% whack weighted average cost of capital on an offshore wind project was making it cost around £48 per megawatt hour over its 30 year lifespan with a 50% load factor compared to something that had a 4% whack, which was getting closer to £35 a megawatt hour um, for its levelized cost of energy. So it can have a really significant impact on a project. And so I guess feeding into that then, what impact has this actually had on the viability of, of then developing a, a renewable project here in the UK? Is it something that has, I guess, has it changed the, the sort of desire to, to build new projects? I mean, especially at a time when we need so many new projects, kind of what's the, what's the impact of this? So as um, if, if the interest rates are rising, uh, and if the UK is seen as a less attractive market for renewables, that's going to raise the cost of financing the projects. And as I, as I mentioned before, that's going to increase the cost. So while we've got the desire to build this stuff and, um, you know, we're auctioning out uh, volumes of money under the contract for difference scheme. Uh, if the cost of uh, financing has increased and other costs aren't decreasing at the same level to offset that, then we're going to start running into this is going to be more expensive. So historically, we've always seen so far in all of our offshore wind auctions, the offshore wind has got more expensive, for example. Um, so we've also had onshore wind and, and solar and other technologies being auctioned, but we've had the kind of um, good news train as, as we've had more and more offshore wind deployed, it's got cheaper and cheaper. So this is partly due to learning rates. So we've seen that um, people developing wind turbines have learned how to do it better. They've built better turbines, they've built bigger turbines that have produced more energy, but they've also increased the scale of their production. So things like there are more jack uh, offshore jack-up vessels that allow the turbines to be installed. Uh, the turbine factories can pump out more blades. So the unit cost goes down we got better at laying cables. There's more people available who've got the skills to, to install it. So the cost of producing and developing the turbines has come down um, over time. But we're running into things like supply chain issues. So maybe those the, that kind of trajectory has hit a blip. Uh, it might not necessarily be cheaper at the next auction, but also if the cost of capital is going up, then that's also going to feed into the into that um into that view. The 
issue then comes around to okay well we've got this auction we've got the cfd mechanism that over time has uh built in um a a difference in how people finance things because the cfd took a, took away from the merchant um kind of approach where you had to go to market and you had to sell your power that makes um there's more risk then in the amount of money that you are going to um earn over the lifetime of the project um which meant only riskier developers or investors would like to be involved in that the cfd took a lot of that risk out so that brings in more debt into the project and therefore the costs have fallen but if the cost of everything is going up um so the rising costs of, of debt and equity are feeding through to that cash up uh, into the calculation increasing the weighted average cost of capital projects are going to go into the cfd but with higher strike prices in mind now because it costs more to finance um the project so we won't as i was saying before that trajectory has been declining that has also fed into some of the government assumptions around things like um administrative strike prices uh and perhaps we'll be building less than we thought because the money that we've allocated to the auction sorry the money that the government has allocated to the auction isn't going to stretch as far we don't know that yet so we don't necessarily know um exactly how projects are financing their uh their developments we don't know what contracts they've signed with turbine manufacturers and all that sorts of stuff so we could still see a reduction in in strike prices um in the auction that it's it's a moving feast since we've written the paper um interest rates have, have continued to rise but maybe the cost of equity and debt haven't quite increased to the same level um because you're looking out over longer horizons than just um you know the latest bank of england interest rate rise so all sorts of things are changing all, all the time um but i think we are definitely at risk of seeing the trend of constantly decreasing prices in CFD auctions coming to an, to an end in this auction. Um, and maybe prices will be closer to the administrative strike price uh, than we would like. Yeah, so, I mean, I mentioned earlier, right, obviously the cost of electricity has been rising. Hasn't that allowed generators to offset these sort of other rising costs? especially given the, the sort of historically unprecedented prices that we've we've seen over the past sort of six months yeah so i guess first off we'll, we'll ask ourselves what's driving that rise in the in the cost of electricity well it's the underlying price of the commodity used to make that electricity which is predominantly gas so for a um an offshore wind turbine that's all profit right however for most of these um developments they aren't exposed to that signal they have primarily being involved in the CFD mechanism and therefore that they're, they're not exposed to that rising price they get their strike price there may be a, a what's called a merchant nose or a merchant tail so th these are the periods in which you're outside of your subsidy agreement so the merchant nose happens before your subsidy agreement your merchant tail happens afterwards and this that's additional upside or downside depending on what the price can do because it can go either way however if you've managed to deploy early you might get something of a of a merchant nose which would be all right except for the electricity generator levy um which is uh taxing profits above 10 million pounds uh at a what was it 45 percent if they crave yeah yeah um so that that's um that's somewhat of a downside then although it's it's still probably an upside it's probably still worth having built 
up first. Um, but even for new build projects, uh, they're, they're probably not looking at switching from a CFD strategy with a fixed price over 15 years to a merchant strategy where they have to go into the market. Even though the prices are higher, um, the risk is is that much greater that your the people who so the groups that are going to finance you are going to look at your project differently because you're saying, OK, well, we're going to try and go for a merchant strategy where we trade in the wholesale market is much more risky because there's downside risk and upside risk. So your price could go up, your price could go down. You have to take on the uncertainty of the power price forecast when you make your investment decision. And that's going to mean that certain investors are not going to be willing to put up the capital to help you develop your project. Whereas if you're going into the CFD, you're saying, we know that we're going to get this much money for 15 years, because if we win in the auction, uh, we think we can get this price. It's going to be stable for 15 years. And that, and then afterwards, you know, at the tail end of our project where we are trading in the wholesale market, we still think we can make this much. Uh, and therefore, your investors are going, OK, there's much less risk in your project. We can put in different kinds of capital uh, that can, we can raise more debt because there's a guaranteed price. So even though the price is going up, there's no guarantee it's going to go up by the, you know, it's still going to be up by the time that you're actually in the merchant part of your um, agreement. And during the part that you're under subsidy, your scheme is going to have a fixed price that's determined in an auction. Um, and the auction, you know, you're competing against different projects that are type as you, or maybe an offshore wind, an onshore wind farm or a solar PV, the price is going to be very, very different to whatever the price that is that's set in the wholesale market, because that's predominantly set by the gas price. Uh, and even then, the gas price might come down. Either we stop using as much gas and other technologies start setting the price. Those technologies probably wind, solar, nuclear, whatever, uh, and the price will be lower. Or maybe new sources of gas are delivered. Um, from somewhere at a, at a lower price because there's a high price and more people develop gas fields or LNG production facilities. And and maybe two or three years after you made your decision, the gas price crashes and, and then follows. So um, yeah, I, I don't think that the, the current high wholesale prices would be enough to offset, um, you know, the, the 30, 35 year lifespan of a big, uh, wind farm asset that you that you might be thinking of developing. Sure, and I, I think you mentioned there as well under the the contracts for different scheme, the ability to sort of in, enjoy the the merchant nose and the merchant tail, as you you called it. So you mentioned uh, the kind of ability to enjoy the the sort of merchant nose and merchant tail when you're kind of before your CFD start date and and after. There have been some recent changes to allocation round five, as far as I understand it. Has this had any impact on on that ability to kind of enjoy that wholesale market exposure? Um, and, and if so, has that changed the, the sort of allure of the, the CFD scheme? Uh, you might have more on the detail than, than me on this. Um, but as I understand it, it's kind of limiting the ability to capture merchant nose uh, rather than merchant tail. I think that's seen as a bit more fair game. Yeah. Um, for, for developers, uh, as I understand it, the proposal is to kind of limit the ability to capture the merchant nose by looking at your commissioning date rather than your uh, than being allowed to pick your own start date. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, basically saying, you know, if you've commissioned by a certain date, 
uh, that's actually the start of your CFD rather than the current process, which is I pick a date and if I've got 90% of my capacity by then, it starts. I don't think that that's really going to, I mean, it, that's more of an upside that's nice to have. I think the CFD uh, is now considered to be just a quite fundamental part of um, how you develop big renewable um, developments nowadays because of the the ability to access certain types of financing that you wouldn't be able to get if you just approached it from a, a merchant position. Um, and if, if we're thinking about this kind of long-term development frame, um, frameworks, you know, to hit our 2030, 2030 offshore wind targets, 2035 net zero power system emissions or 2050 economy wide net zero emissions, we have to think about the long-term development as well. And that ties into REMA, the review of electricity market arrangements and stream there that's looking at the mass low carbon power reforms. So REMA is basically saying uh, under government modeling, they believe that if we hit our targets by 2035 and 2050, the power system is going to look very different. There's going to be large surpluses and deficits of power um, driven by the intermittent renewable production. There's going to be periods where prices are very, very low and periods where prices are very, very high. And it's going to be increasingly difficult to finance projects that are outside of government support. So they're looking at how they can change things like the CFD to support those developments so that there's always, um, so that they can continue to meet their targets and, and it doesn't become harder to finance because the power system becomes more volatile uh, and prices created to the floor when um, renewables are generating. So they're looking at things like splitting the market um, and creating like a low carbon power pool and a, a, and a carbon power pool. So there might be in that world differences where generators are paid um, based on a kind of fixed rate into a pool that then gets shared out. Uh, who purchases in that pool is still up for all sorts of debate. Um, other things are like how do you maintain um, kind of dispatch signals within the CFD because part of the the reason the CFD works so well in financing is that it insulates you from changes in the wholesale price. But that insulation in itself creates problems in other parts of the market. So, for example, in dispatch, where at the day ahead you don't care what the wholesale power price is, you just want to um, generate your electricity because that's how you get your fixed price. Well, there might be too much electricity on the system if the price goes negative. How do we make sure that you're still exposed to, the, to that signal? Um, that might mean, uh, as under the current CFD, extending the way that negative pricing um, hours work. So it, under the current CFD, if the price goes negative for more than, uh, well, it depends on the, the vintage of the CFD you've got, but I think the, the AR4 ones, no, AR5, if it goes negative at all, um, you lose your strike price payment. AR4, I think it was a certain amount of negative hours have to occur before your strike price payment disappears. Could you look at other ways of incentivizing that? What effect does that have on the CFD itself and the, the viability of it? Uh, they're also looking at locational marginal pricing. So what might your reference price be? Does it get changed based on the location of where you are in the country and what constraints are affecting uh, your output? So I think you also have to look at REMA as well to decide what the future of, of development, development might be because that's going to have a, a pretty big impact on um, future projects. So 
I guess then you've you've kind of mentioned the the future of projects to tie things back in a little bit. What are the the sort of longer term implications of this rising weighted average cost of capital? You know, is it something that's going to continue to impact on renewable projects into the kind of distant future, or um, is it something we can expect to see subside um, anytime soon? Um, and I guess, depending on your answer there, what are the implications for the UK's overall net zero plans, especially, as you mentioned earlier, given the sort of subsidy schemes that we're seeing cropping up across the, the globe, particularly the Inflation Reduction Act in the USA. I think it's $369 billion that it's um, putting forward through things like tax credits for um, production of renewable um, electricity, for instance. How, how does that sort of change the landscape? Yes, increasing work is likely to continue impacting projects, especially those going into auction uh, as as we as we speak. So, um, but as I said, when we, when we wrote the paper, we were kind of coming out of the um, the trust government uh, and heading into the to the end of winter. So things looked a bit bleaker back then. Um, I guess at the point of recording now, we've just had the latest Bank of England um, monetary report, which is saying that infl they expect inflation to uh, halve by the end of the year. Um, it's still, I think, currently at 10%. So um, that might change whether or not they continue to increase rates. They might start bringing rates down. We ultimately have to kind of follow what's going on in wider capital markets as well. So whether or not the European Central Bank or the Federal Reserve in the US, what are they doing with their interest rates? Um, what are the kind of long term outlooks for uh, returns on longer dated bonds and all, all those sorts of things? So that it might not necessarily be that um, that things are quite as bad uh, as as they might have been when we wrote the report, but it looks like we're in a higher interest rate environment than we were before. That feeds through into into financing. So we would expect all things being equal, if the WAC is higher, the cost of developing new renewables projects is also higher. Um, and that means that the money that we have, we can do less with. So we have to um, basically to compete in a future world, we've got to make sure that our markets are attractive to those developers. We know that we have to invest trillions of pounds in our systems in order to meet our net uh, carbon objectives by 2050. But we have to do that in a world in which other governments are also trying to do the same thing and the cost of financing has increased. Um, so we have to make sure that in, for example, in debates about REMA, that the cost of financing is kept in mind. Um, you know, there's lots of objectives within an electricity market. It's not just to build the cheapest thing. We also have to maintain security of supply and we also have to meet our carbon objectives, but we should ideally do in that, that in the cheapest way possible. So we just need to keep in mind that cost of financing uh, and the weighted average cost of capital, all that sort of stuff is very important for how much, um, how far the money that we have goes, because the government is ultimately going to decide what uh, objective it places uh, on each different parameter. There's a pot of money that they've set aside or will set aside. We want that to go as far as possible in order to meet our objectives. Um, but bearing in mind that, you know, we're never going to be able to spend the amount of money that um, the US can can throw on the t throw down on the table or that the EU can, can push on a uh, on a continental level. We just have to make sure that you know we're keeping in the front of our minds that 
in order to not burden households with too much cost over the long run, that the design of these schemes is very important. Yeah, I think that's a good place to end then. Thanks very much, Tom, obviously, for your input. But a really good explanation of, of the paper. And again, I'd like to point you in its direction. Um, if you haven't read it already, it's called Whack-A-Mole Implications of the Rising Cost of Capital for the Fifth Round of the Contracts for Different Scheme. It's definitely worth a read. Beyond just writing research papers, we also do modelling of things like CFD auctions. So um, if you want a bespoke CFD auction, uh, we, we've, we've done projects on that in, in the past and, and for the most recent auctions on a longer term basis. Some of these inputs that we talk about in, in our weighted average cost of capital and, and capital costs for, for generators feed into our reports on things like the CFD, the capacity market and our a uh, 30 year power price forecast called the GB benchmark power curve uh, and if you'd be interested in in discussing that it looks at things like deployment of technologies to reach our carbon objectives and what the wholesale power price might be under those scenarios please feel free to contact us if you wish to talk more and i'd like to thank everyone for listening um and i'll hopefully see you next time